host and comrade Rob, and today we will be discussing dialectical materialism and the Black Panther Party. Part one and part two are already available on uh, Facebook, YouTube, and podcast platforms. If you have not uh, taken the time to listen to those, uh, I encourage you to do so. Remember to check in with us on Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern um, for our weekly current event stream. Uh, we are all over social media, all over. Uh, Facebook, we have the Facebook page for We Are Many. Um, we have the education and discussion group, simply called for We Are Many Education and Discussion Group. Uh, a mutual aid organizing group called for We Are Many Mutual Aid Organizing Group. <laughs> and uh, our website for WeAreMany.org. Um, we're on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube for We Are Many Podcast, Twitter for We Are Many 2, and uh, Patreon.com slash for We Are Many. We have tiers ranging from $1 to $10 a month, if I remember correctly, for the average person. Any amount, honestly, helps a lot with overhead expenses um, and being able to grow this thing in general. So if you like what we're doing, then feel free to support us on Patreon. Also, if you like what, you're, what we're doing and you want to be a part of it, uh, simply, you know, head us up. We can probably find things for you to do. Anyway, Don, do you want to introduce yourself? Good evening, Rob. Good evening. Everybody hearing my voice right now? Um, my name's Don. That's really all, all I've got. Indeed. Yep. So uh, let's get to the, uh, the brass tacks of it, Rob. Yeah. Here from, uh, so here from to, Brother Bobby Seal. Today, we are, for the third time, uh, reading from Bobby Seal's book, Seize the Time, The Story of the Black Panther Party. Uh, in part two, we really got into the 10-point platform of the Black Panther Party, and uh, today we're going to watch a speech from Bobby Seale talking about the 10-point platform, and uh, then we'll pick back up where we left off. I got to explain to you also your soul your needs, your political desires and needs, because that is Huey's soul. When we first organized the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, he would say, Bobby, he says, we're going to draw up a basic platform, just basic, that black people can read. He says, we don't want to go real elaborate with all these essays and dissertations and all this stuff, because the brother going to look at that and he can say, man, I ain't got time for that. I got to go see what I can do for myself. It's just a basic platform that the mothers who struggle hard to raise us, that the fathers who worked hard, that the young brothers in school who come out of school semi-literate. You say we want freedom, we want power to determine the destiny of our black community. Full employment for our people. Number three, we want housing fit decent housing fit for shelter of human beings. Number four, we want all black men to be exempt from military service. 
Number five. We want decent education for our black people in our community that teaches us the true nature of this decadent racist society and to teach black people and our young black brothers and sisters their place in the society because if they don't know their place in society and in the world, they can't relate to anything else. Number six, we want an end to the robbery by the white racist businessman of black people and black people in their, in their community. Number seven, we want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people. be released because they have not had a fair trial because they've been tried by all white juries and that's just like being tried in Germany being a Jew. Number eight, we want black people, number nine, when brought to trial to be tried by members of their peers and a peer being one who comes from the same economic, social, religious, historical and racial background. If the United States government and the courts and the local courts did this, they would have to choose black people from the black community to sit up on the jury. They'd have to choose some of the mothers who've been working 20 years in Miss Ann's kitchen scrubbing floors like my mother had done. They have to choose some of them hard-working fathers. They have to choose some of those brothers who stand on the block out there wondering where they're going to get a gig. They're going to have to choose these black people. And number 10, he would say, let's just summarize it. We want housing, we want clothing, we want education, we want justice, and we want peace. This is a basic platform. In case you never knew it or not, of all the things that you've heard in the press, of all the derogatory statements that's been made in the press about Brother Huey P. Newton and I, of all these derogatory statements to guide you away from seeing this basic platform that Huey was talking about for his own people. We have to learn to look through the white press. We have to learn to see what's going on. Now, out of this platform, Huey P. Newton realized that it was necessary for us to start working on these points, these 10 points practically. Remember number seven? We want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people. This is very, very important. And here, whether you know it or not, it's where you start dealing with the black revolution. When Huey says every black man put a shotgun in your home, and once we let the man know, say, look, we armed from block to block, and we're going to patrol you from our windows. And we're not going to have you brutalizing none of our people in the streets. Do you realize what kind of power black people have then? Because you begin to neutralize that police force, because them cops going to start riding shaky and scared. In fact, we're in a position then to demand that they withdraw from our community because they occupy our community just like a foreign troop occupies territory. Very important to understand. We hate cops beating black people over their heads and murdering them. That's what we hate. If you got enough 
enough energy to sit down and hate a white person just because of the color of his skin, you waste a lot of energy. You better take that same energy and put it in some motion out there and start dealing with those oppressive conditions, and you're going to find out just what you hate and what you're going to stop. racism. You dig it? When you stop racism, you stop brutality and murder of black people by the racist occupying army in our black community. That's what we're going to stop. What's being done to us? You dig it? Can you dig the white power structure and this racist police force and how they've escalated the situation? That before Watts, there was 1,300 cops. Now there's 6,000 cops patrolling black people. That in Oakland, they had 350 cops. Just three and a half years ago, now they got a thousand cops patrolling black people. San Francisco's double its police force, and every area, major, major metropolis where black people live all across this country, they've doubled, tripled, and quadrupled their police force, equipped them with tanks, all kinds. Uh-uh, we got to stop it, brother. Let's get together and unify it. So I think it's very important to point out that nothing has changed. It's frustrating. To say the least. And it's it's especially frustrating. Because I feel like us, in particular, sitting here, pointing it out and talking about it, doesn't help the situation any. Ultimately, I don't disagree with you there. Um, the idea of discussing what they did is to encourage people, ourselves included, to do the same. And I mean, I know that you and I are not, you know, Black America per se, but... I do believe that we stand in solidarity with Black America. And I think that Black Lives Matter is heavily influenced by the legacy of the Black Panther Party. However, they learned from the assassination of Fred Hampton that, uh, you know, um, being, well, they don't call themselves leaderless. They call themselves leaderful. But the point is, is that there is no one solitary leader. And I think that's an important development, honestly. Because look at what they did to Fred Hampton. Look at what they did to Huey Newton. They didn't kill him, but they threw him in prison. So, I mean... That's a big part of where all of this comes down is like, what do we do? I, I think that the best course of action is to try to unify as many like-minded individuals as possible and try to carry out the legacy of the Black Panther Party, if you will. I agree. Um, towards the end of this, if Bobby Seale doesn't talk about it in his book, which I would be very surprised if he doesn't, I want to talk about the Rainbow Coalition. And I'm not talking about the Rainbow Coalition that got Obama elected. I'm not talking about Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Coalition. I'm talking about Fred Hampton's Rainbow Coalition. Um, 
There, I, I mean, I don't know who was all in it, but I know that the students for a democratic society were in it. We know about them from trial of the Chicago seven. Yep. And I think we should do a piece about them too, for that matter. Um, in the future. I, I think so too. <clears throat> um, there was also, I forget what the organization was called, but there was a, an organization of primarily rural white leftists that were involved in the original rainbow coalition too. And well, I mean, given that rural America is so damn white, I think that that's necessary at this point. Um, well, not at this point, at any point. Mao figured out that he needed to rely on rural peasants, right? That's one of the, one of the ways that he viewed the USSR as falling short. And uh, there's just incredible praxis all around by the Black Panther Party from their inception to what they were doing, uh, you know, in the late 60s, early 70s in other parts of the country outside of just Oakland, California. Um, and that built a lasting legacy. I mean, that idea for the Rainbow Coalition, yeah, it was co-opted by Jesse Jackson in his 1984 uh, presidential run. But I think that the spirit of the original Rainbow Coalition was there. It was just in a more moderate form. Um, and same thing for the Rainbow Coalition that Obama built to get elected. I mean, granted, I think that Fred Hampton would have a heavy critique of that um given as he said that we don't want black capitalism <laughs> we want liberation um so i mean obviously fred hampton would have some things to say about the rainbow coalition that got obama elected but ultimately i don't think that would have been possible without fred hampton's rainbow coalition that's just my two cents though I don't know enough about any of that to be able to give an opinion. Fair enough. So we are on page 52 of Seize the Time. The PDF, the link to the PDF file will be in the show notes on podcast platforms or in the video description for social media. Um, the title of the chapter is Huey Backs the Pigs Down. And uh, so I kind of read this story ahead of time and I I'm really excited to tell this story. I wish, I wish that I could hear it. Well, it is hearing it in Bobby Seale's own words but I wish that I could hear him tell the story. Um, anyway. So, uh, once again, that's page 52. Huey was on a level where he was ready to organize the Black Brothers for a righteous revolutionary struggle with guns and force. It came to a point where every day we talked, or we walked in and out of the Black Panther office, around to my house, or around to Bobby Hutton's house, or somebody's house, with guns on our sides, and gotten in a car, or two or three cars, or four or five cars as it built up, and patrolled the pigs on Friday and Saturday nights. Sometimes when we went to a meeting during the week, we patrolled the pigs.
because we had a camera or two, a law book, and we're working on getting some tape recorders and patrolling the pigs. One day we were walking out of the office, I guess we'd been there about a month or so, a pig passed by. He saw us coming out with shotguns and pistols on our sides. About six or seven of us came out of the office there in the daytime and we looked at the pig as he passed by and he jumped on his radio because he saw us coming out of the office with those pieces and stuff. We had just finished field stripping weapons, learning about double-op buckshot, learning about the 9mm and the 45, and having a political education session. We had a 45 and a 357 Magnum in the group and a couple of M1s. We had three or four shotguns by then. We bought up guns like a son of a bitch then. <laughs> the pig went down two blocks and turned around, came back up the other side of the street. They were building rapid transit BART right down Grove Street there. Um, wow. Actually, when we were looking in the last piece uh, at Grove Street, we were talking about how, well, I pointed out at one point that there was a mass transit there, so I didn't know if the street would look the same, but apparently that was being built at the time, so it would have looked relatively the same. Anyway, uh, right down Grove Street there, and he went up the other side of the boulevard and came back. We readily assessed that the pigs were ready to see what the fuck was happening, and this pig had radioed in and he was running it down how he had seen some radio edit come out of a place here with some guns and blah blah be blue etc etc come out of his office with guns and stuff uh he was radioing to other pigs to help get him and now that i had to do it i feel uh okay so they use the n-word in this book obviously i don't have an opinion about them using it but i have no right to use it i am not going to End of story. Um, Huey had his father's car that day. I think he had just finished paying some bills and he stopped by the office for about a half hour. By the time we got in the car, the pig was back around the street and he drove up behind us. And Huey told everybody to remember what he'd said, that nobody in the car should say anything. Only the driver should do the talking and Huey happened to be the driver. He said, I'm the driver, nobody else say anything and remember the legal first aid. This was the legal aid information that we had printed for the brothers in the party, and we were teaching them 13 points of basic legal first aid, uh, legal and constitutional rights. Um, I want to plug uh, a podcast episode from Revolutionary Left Radio called Don't Talk to the Police. There's a bunch of, you know, like actual testimonials of what happens when people call the police or why you shouldn't talk to the police ever in general um i found it very informative and it's relevant to what we were just discussing um i also want to say how important it is that they were studying the law um they wouldn't even have the balls to try to do any of this if they didn't have the brains to look up what the laws actually were. Um, you got anything to add on to that? Or? For those of you watching this video and just seeing me vibing in the background, sorry. <laughs> I don't really have anything to add to it. I, I don't know what I can add to it that hasn't already been said, and I don't like redundancy. That's fair. 
Uh, Huey used to teach the brothers on that. He wouldn't let them get around it because Huey understood that the brothers had no guidelines about how to deal with the pigs. So Huey went off in the area of law and he found out the brothers respected law. Huey knew something about law and he could use it to make it serve him. That's all he was doing. He was bringing them basic things in everyday life about law. That's, uh, that's what Huey dug. He understood that shit. Huey would take those 13 basic points and try to show a dude where he was fucked up at in the ghetto. That's very important in understanding how the party first began to function. So right off the rip, they're trying to educate the black community on what their rights are and how they can defend them. Um, and he, they did it in a way that was easy for... Uh, for lack of a better way to put it, for the, the underprivileged in the ghetto. That's big. That is big. Um, so he said, nobody say anything, because the minute somebody says something, the man is going to try to arrest you. And he's going to arrest you for some jive about interfering with an officer carrying out his duty. He's going to try to prove to all the people who are subject to gather around us here that we have no right with the gun. And he's going to arrest you on a traffic ticket and the people out in the community will think he arrested you because you've got the gun. We want to prove to the people that we've got a right to carry guns and they've got a right to arm themselves and we will exhaust our con constitutional right to carry these guns. That's what Huey was trying to exhaust. Boom. Which he did exhaust ultimately when we look at the power structure's moves against the party over the years. Huey got in, the car, uh, got in the car and the pig came up to the window. You have any driver's license? So Huey rolled the window down. There wasn't more than about a three or four inch crack in the window. Uh, Huey handed his license out the window. Is this your true name? The pig said. Huey said, yes, that's my true name, Huey P. Newton. Is this your true address? 841 47th Street? And Huey said, that's my true address, 841 47th Street. What are you doing with the guns? What are you doing with your gun? Fair, that's a fair response. I skipped the I skipped the words and Huey said, what are you doing with your gun? And that's a fucking awesome response. Uh, this particular pig decided he wasn't gonna argue, so he went back and got his little writing pad where they fill shit out. Your true name is Huey P. Newton. That's right. Your true address is 841 47th Street. That's right. <laughs> What's your phone number? And Huey said five and stopped and wouldn't say anything else. And the pig said five what? This is when all the shit between the party and pigs began. Huey said the Fifth Amendment. You ever heard of it? Don't you know about the constitutional right of a person not to testify against himself? Five. I don't have to give you anything but my identification, name, and address, so therefore, I don't even want to talk to you. You can leave my car and leave me alone. I don't even want to hear you. Well, what do you mean, the pig said, and Huey said just what I said. The constitutional right of any man is that he doesn't have to testify against himself. And Huey had a big M1 sitting to his right with his hand on it. I had this 9mm sitting beside me, and Huey had this M1 at his side. Uh, Huey's driving. Four other brothers were in the back seat. One of them was Bobby Hutton. They were being quiet because Huey told them to be quiet. And the pig is going crazy. He's by himself, and Huey had all these black Radio men edit. in the car going for a motherfucker. Meanwhile, 
While the pig is trying to get bad, three cars drove up in back of us and one in front. Some more were in the driveway. Blop, blop, hop de blue. <laughs> fucking what? As you said earlier, Don, he's really got away with words. Bruh. <laughs> then another car came up in front of us and a pig jumped out of his car, walked up to our car and said through the crack of the window with a hoggish voice trying to sound intimidating, what's going on here? And Huey said, the same basic procedures that are supposed to go on. Huey rolled the window down another five or six inches and the pigs are looking at the guns in the car. Can I see that pistol there? One of the pigs said, no, you can't see it. I was beginning to get skeptical about what was happening because he pointed to my nine millimeter pistol. Huey was on probation and if they thought that this was Huey's pistol, I didn't know this law stuff the way Huey knew it. So I moved the pistol over beside me real close. It had been lying in the middle of the seat. I said, no, you can't see it. Huey said, no, you can't see the pistol, nor this, pointing to his rifle, and I don't want you to look at it. You don't have to look at it. <laughs> Is that your pistol, he asked Huey, and I said, no, it's not his pistol, it's my pistol. Because, or I said that because I was thinking the man's gonna jump on Huey, because uh, he already told me about the probation law. If he gets caught with a pistol, he's burned. But if he gets caught with a rifle, the man can't mess with him because his probation officer told him he can carry a rifle or a shotgun. Uh, the pig said, can I see it or not? So Huey said to me, I'll talk, and then said to the pig, no, you can't see the pistol. Get away from the car. We don't want you around the car, and that's all there is to it. And then he says, well, I can ask him if I want to see his pistol or not. So I said, well, you can't see the pistol. They were blabbing and oinking to each other about who in the hell we thought we were, and constitution my ass, they're just turning it around. Then a pig said to Huey, who in the hell do you think you are? Look, damn it. And Huey just opened the car door, and this is where Huey got mad. I mean, Hold you on. have... Hold on. I need to point out this, this gem that you skipped over. The motherfuckers tried to get egged in. Did I, did, I, did I really skip that? Yeah. Oh, damn, my bad. So I said, well, you can't see the pistol. The motherfuckers try to get egged in. They were blabbing and oinking to each other. Yeah, fuck yeah, they were. I bet they were. I can I can picture it. I can fucking picture it. That that talk we had before we started reading this, I understand now. How the fuck? Bruh. I almost want to put on my taking off hat just to... Just some shit. All right, let's go. Look, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just have to imagine this expletive deleted. He got mad because the dogs were going to carry on and they were bracing up like they were bad. Huey didn't go for this at all. Huey got very mad. He opened up the door saying, who in the hell do you think you are? In the first place, this man pointing at the pig came up here and asked me for my license like he was citing me for a ticket or observation of some kind. This police officer is supposed to be carrying out his duty and you, here you come talking about our guns. He put his hand on his rifle and continued, we have a constitutional right to carry the guns anyway, and I don't want to hear it. The pigs backed up a couple of steps and Huey was coming out of the car. Huey had his hand back in the car, getting his M1, and it, you know, if you've ever seen Huey, he gets growly but articulate. He came out of the car with his M1. Huey knows his loss so well that he wouldn't have had the M1 loaded inside the car. When he came out of the car, he dropped around into the chamber right away. Clack, clup. 
Who do, who do you think you all are anyway, Huey said to the pigs. And the other pigs are on the sidewalk harassing all the brothers and sisters who've gathered around. You people move on down the street, Huey started interrupting. You don't have to move down the street. Don't go anywhere. These pigs cannot keep you from observing. You have a right to observe an officer carrying out his duty. And these pigs, they listen to this shit. See, Huey's citing law and shit. You have a right to observe an officer carrying out his duty. You have a right to, as long as you stand a reasonable distance away, and you are a reasonable distance, don't go anywhere. Uh, the pigs kept trying to move the people, saying, you're going to get under arrest. So Huey just went over and opened the door to the panther office and said, come on in here. Now they can't move you out. He took his key, opened the door, and let the people go in. Now observe all you want to. And the pigs said, what are you going to do with that gun? What are you going to do with your gun? Huey said, because if you try to shoot at me, or if you try to take this gun, I'm going to shoot back at you, swine. Furthermore, and he just got off into it, you're nothing but a sharecropper anyway. You come from Georgia somewhere, you're downtown making $800 a month, and you come down here brutalizing and murdering black people in the black communities. They gave you some sergeant stripes, and all I say is that you're, gonna, or that you're nothing but a low-life scurvy swine. A sharecropper from racist Georgia in the south somewhere. So, if you draw that gun, I'll shoot back at you and blow your brains out. You, 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 you're just turning the Constitution around. That pig was mad and he was just trying to slot off. Huey said, I'm not turning anything around. And I got my gun. What are you going to do with yours? <coughs> this blew the pig's minds. They do, not where to, they do not know where to go, man. Huey just walked on around the front of the car got on around the front of the car talking, then went on and opened the office door again and let some more people in, telling the people they didn't have to go anywhere, citing their constitutional rights and all this stuff, and just jumped on out of the office again and said, now what are you going to do? <laughs> Another burly kind of fat pig walked up about five yards in front of Huey with his hands uh, in his belt, in front of his belly, falling over the belt. Oh my God, dude, I have a mental image of this now. You know, oh, the, man. You know I that know it, exactly who that is. Yeah. <laughs> he asked Huey, are you a Marxist? And Huey asked him, are you a fascist? Are you a Marxist? The pig asked in a louder tone. And then Huey got louder. Are you a fascist? I can just like imagine this happening and it gives me so much joy. Oh man. <laughs> then the pig asked it in a very loud demanding voice, lifting his hand out of his belt. And the pig said, are you a Marxist? And Huey... <laughs> Huey got even louder. Are you a fascist? The pig asked three more times in a softer tone, and Huey kept repeating the question. And the pig said, like stupid fifth grade kid, I asked you first. <laughs> Huey shook his head unbelievingly and said, I asked you second. Are you a fascist? And everybody's laughing at the pig. I was sitting in my car with a hammer and my nine millimeter cocked back. And I said, these pigs are going to be wild eyed. I know they're going to be crazy. I rolled the window down. What's your name? I say, my name is Bobby seal. Why want to check you out? Got any identification? I laid my pistol down and gave him ID. I picked my pistol back up and I said, my name is Bobby seal. As it says on my identification, want to check me out? You were arrested for armed robbery at 17. I said, you're a goddamn liar. I've never been arrested in my life. I've never been arrested for armed robbery. They didn't even check me out. You were arrested for armed robbery when you were 17, but since you were a juvenile, we can't arrest you for possessing a gun now. And I said, you damn liar. I've never been arrested for armed robbery. I don't want to hear it. Fuck it. 
And Huey out there, man, he's calling the pigs swine, dogs, sharecroppers, bastards, motherfuckers with his M1 in, in his hand and daring them. <laughs> you don't pull your guns on us. And that's where Huey began to show us. You tell some motherfucker and you mean it. This is what I remember. Huey was relating to one thing. When he told me a long time ago to remember that we might not ever come back home one day, I said, I'm with you, Huey. I remember that. I remember I might not ever come home one day. Fuck it. I'm with you. We were sitting in the car and Huey made us all stay in the car and be quiet. He was out there, one of the baddest motherfucker, not one of, the baddest motherfucker in the world, man. Huey and 10 pigs, three or four of them trying to run off, run off kids on bicycles and tell the people they didn't have the right to stand around. And Huey was just going out there interrupting, saying, no, come in the office. Little kids got bicycles inside the office. Uh, we had a big, wide, clear picture window. Expletive deleted, just got all over the front of the window, man. They were leaning on it, kissing the window just to listen to this shit. And when Howler, go head on, brother. Run it down. You know where it's at. And I can dig it. All while Huey was get, letting these pigs know where it was at. The brothers observing would see that those pigs were scared of that big gun that, uh, that a bad black but beautiful radio edit had in his hand. Every time Huey would say, if you shoot at me, swine, I'm shooting back. Radio edit. Would love to holler something like, tell it, do it, brother. That would let Huey know that he was revolutionizing our culture, educating black people to be revolutionaries, that the gun is where it's at and, a, and about and in. A white man two doors down smiled. He was the only one around, but he seemed to respect Huey. Then some people came up after that, after Huey had made this display of going into the office, other people were just standing around and the pigs weren't even moving anymore. And just Huey daring them to do anything. Huey had an M1 with him, one of the eight round clips in it. What do you do, man? All you do is back up a radio edit like that. You do nothing else but that. Anything that happens, this radio edit, the baddest radio edit you've ever seen. <laughs> because this radio edit is telling 10 pigs, I don't give a damn what you do. And making us all shut up and be disciplined. And we have our shit ready sitting in the car. So I said to myself, this is the baddest motherfucker in the world. This radio edit is telling pigs, if you draw your gun, I'll shoot you. Telling this to the pigs standing there. When the pig says, you're just turning the constitution around. Huey says, I'm turning nothing around. I'm exercising my constitutional right. And I've got the gun to back it up. And the pig seized the gun. The radio edit told the pigs that if they act wrong or get down wrong, I'm going to kill you. I'm, I'll defend myself. So what do you do? You say this radio edit. This radio edit is crazy. But I but like, like this. this radio edit. <laughs> I like him because he's good. He doesn't take bullshit. You back him up. So that was the very major incident that happened with the Black Panther Party in front of the office. After that, we really began to patrol the pigs then because we got righteous recruits. I think 10 or 12, maybe 13 extra members in the party that day just came in, put it, applications in. We went down to the poverty office again, I was still working there, and drew up a formal application form for enrollment to get into the Black Panther Party. And from there, what did we do? We patrolled pigs. All right. <clears throat> I 
how that really happened. <clears throat> okay. I mean, I'm kind of flabbergasted that he wasn't yeah. shot, frankly. Well, I, but I mean, I understand why he had a loaded M1 fucking pointed at him. What are they going to do? Just like Bobby said, what are they going to do? They don't know how many guns are in the car, but they know there's a car full of people with guns. <laughs> what are they going to do? Nothing. 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 I... And I, I want to draw a correlation to Mao, right? Uh, you remember the chapter, all reactionaries are paper tigers? Yeah. The police are paper tigers. <laughs> Especially in this case. Anyway, what were you going to say? I was going to ask if we're continuing on to badge 206 or if we're going to leave that for next Thursday. I think that we should do probably the next two chapters, but maybe the next one. I don't know. It depends on how long it takes us to get through it. Okay. Okay. I'm here to do the... Radio edit. I mean, I think I think that it's going to be toned down for a little bit now until I don't know crazy, if it is. I don't know if it crazy is. happens again. <laughs> All right, Bad They're talking about patrolling North Oakland. I feel like this is going to be crazy. Yeah, you're probably right. Badge two oh six is the name of the chapter. Uh, for those following along, that is page 57 in the PDF. One night, Huey, little Bobby and I were patrolling this pig in North Oakland. We had been patrolling him for a couple hours. We'd be about a block away from him wherever he'd go. Sometimes we'd stop and lose the pig, but 10, 20 minutes later, he'd make it around again. He'd be back where he was. And we'd patrol him some more. Little Bobby had an M1, I had a 45, and brother Huey had a shotgun and a law book <laughs> on the back seat. Brother Huey was driving my old 54 Chevy. I guess we patrolled for quite a while. Then on 58th Street, we saw the pig stop up at the corner. We stopped at the corner and he backed up and uh, parked right in front of the stop sign at the corner of 58th and Grove. I remember saying we were tired of patrolling this pig. Let's go in. It was about 8.30 or 9.30. That's a big gap. <laughs> when we drove down the street and stopped next to the pig, we were stopped at the stop sign. I looked over at the pig. Naturally, we were carrying guns in Oakland in those days. The shotgun barrel was sticking up, and I was holding onto the shotgun while Huey drove. I was on the right-hand side of the front seat, and the shotgun was to my left, next to my left leg. I was standing straight up, resting on it, or it was standing straight up, resting on its butt. I looked over at the pig. The pig looked back and looked over to me and little Bobby, who had his M1 in the back seat between his legs, the barrel of it showing through the window, too. Huey had completed his stop and he started off again and started turning right, right in front of the pig's car. As we were turning right, the pig flashed his lights on and flashed his high beams on and Huey kept moving. He didn't stop and didn't speed up. See, those pigs do, uh, don't shake Huey at all. I guess we drove no more than 20 feet when we could see the red light flashing. He was starting his engine up and pulling out of the spot where he was parked, making a right turn right behind us. Huey kept moving. He got ready to make a left turn right there in the next little corner. He made his left turn and said, I'm not going to stop till he puts his damn siren on because a flashing red light doesn't really mean nothing. Anything could be a flashing red light. Well, the pig cut his siren on as he was turning the corner following us, and uh, when he'd cut his siren on, he stopped. 
We'd been stopped by pigs a number of times, pigs who'd seen us with guns and didn't know what to do. We were down with it because Huey had put us together and knew how to handle the situation. This pig surprised us because he stopped his car as soon as we stopped. He stopped his car about 25 feet in back of our car. Some pigs stopped right up behind you, but he was 25 feet from us. He got out of his car and soon as he did, uh, and came walking from his door. We could hear this pig hollering, what in the goddamn hell you radio edit doing with them goddamn guns? Who in the goddamn hell you radio edit think you are? Get out of that goddamn car. Get out of that goddamn car with them goddamn guns. I said, Huey, this motherfucker's trying to get killed, man. Listen to him. <laughs> As he walked up to the car, he said, get out of that car. Huey said, you ain't putting nobody under arrest. Who the hell do you think you are? The pig snatched the door open. When he snatched it open, he said, I get out of that goddamn car and bring them gun, or I said, get out of that goddamn car and bring them goddamn guns out of there. Huey said, man, what the hell? By this time, the pig came all the way up, his head inside the door, and he's reaching across Huey real fast. This all happened so fast. He was grabbing hold of the barrel of the shotgun, and I tightened up on it and pulled it away from him. At the same time I was pulling the shotgun away from him, Huey grabbed this pig by the collar, pushed his head back against the roof of the car, then shifted around and got his foot and kicked him in the belly, shoving him all the way out of the car. Uh, the pig fell backwards about 10 feet from the car, but as he was going out, no sooner had Huey finished putting his foot in this pig's belly, kicking him and pushing him out of the car, and the pig was being propelled off balance away from, car, from the car, and then Huey's was grabbing hold of the barrel of the shotgun. No sooner did uh, Huey's feet hit the ground, but he was jacking around off into the chamber, clack up and taking three quick steps. The pig looked up and looked around and Huey P. Newton was standing there saying, now who in the hell do you think you are? You big redneck bastard, you rotten fascist swine, you bigoted racist. You come into my car trying to brutalize me and take my property away from me. Go, from your, go for your gun and you're a dead pig. The pig folded his hands up. By this time, I'd gotten out of the car on the other side, put the 45 in my hand, and pulled the hammer back. As soon as Huey finished saying what he had to say, little Bobby jumped out of the back of our car and jacked off around in the end M1. The pig heard these clicks and looked back at Huey, and the pig folded his hands up. In other words, he was taking his hands away from his gun. Huey had said, go for your gun and you're a dead pig. Don't you know by the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution that you can't remove a person's property from them without due process of law? Huey was mad, loud, and articulate. And that's a that's a lethal combination that Huey seemed to have down pat. <laughs> like, straight up. Loud, mad, and articulate. Uh, the pig began to walk, and he did a kind of half moon, walking around and away from Huey, trying to get back to his car. Huey just stepped back, holding his gun on him, and the pig came walking back to his car, hollering, they got guns! They got guns! Radio edit down here got guns! Help me, get me some help down here! Radio edit got guns! They got guns! This pig was scared. Probably for good reason, but... Do you think that the pig understood that the reason that he was scared was because he tried to infringe on their rights? I'm a little upset you didn't give me time to say radio edit. <laughs> Bro, this is blowing my mind. If if somebody doesn't fucking die right here, I'm gonna wonder what like what how 
How? Anyway, moving on. Uh, black people began to come out of their houses wanting to know what was going on. He said, come on out, black people. Come on out and get to know these racist dog swine who've been controlling our community and occupying our community like a foreign troop. Come on out. We're going to show you about swine pigs. People got to coming out. There must have been, it must have been around 930 because we were in the back of Merritt College and people in night school were coming out. And I guess 70 or 80 had gathered up there before the other pigs got there. They had about 15 cars come down there, 15 cars and pigs everywhere. So me and Huey and little Bobby were there with our guns and the people were there. I think little Bobby placed his gun right back on the back seat again. He was sitting in the seat and shut the door <coughs> and got back out. Uh, Huey and I had been warning uh, little Bobby about keeping in his possession the written permission he had to carry with him the written permission thing from his father to carry and keep the gun because he was still under 18 at the time and I think he didn't have it. He realized that he better lay the gun down. Uh, Huey was talking, so you could carry a gun with a note from your parents? Yeah. Man, that's wild. Yeah. Uh, Huey was talking to most of the people and running it down to the people about how racism was rotten. How these pigs were brutal and murderous racists. And every time Huey said something, I'd say it right behind him. I'd say the same thing. Or I'd say, that's right. <laughs> he would say, racist dog pigs occupy our community. Uh, come down here to brutalize and kill and murder us. I'm tired of it. And I'd say, that's right. Racist dog pigs occupy our community like a foreign troop that occupies territory. Black people are tired of it. Every time Huey said something, I'd say something. The pigs must have thought that we were as crazy. Radio edit a pig walks up and says let me see that weapon he says let you see my weapon you haven't placed me under arrest well you just let me see the weapon i have a right to see the weapon huey says ain't you ever heard of the 14th amendment of the constitution of the united states don't you know you don't remove nobody's property without due process of law huey got loud at those last words what's the matter with you you're supposed to be people enforcing the law and here you are ready to violate my constitutional rights you can't see my gun you can't have my gun the only way you're gonna get it from me is to try to take it then another pig walks up to me come over here by the car i ain't going no goddamn place who the hell do you think you are you ain't placing me under arrest but i have a right to take you over to the car you don't have no right to move me from one spot to another Huey P. Newton, the Minister of Defense, teaches us, teaches us and runs it down to us that whenever a cop moves a person from one spot to another, then he's technically under arrest. And if the cop states that you're not under arrest or doesn't say you're under arrest when you ask, then he has no right to ask you to move from one spot to another. You just got through telling me I wasn't under arrest, so I'm not moving anywhere. I'm staying right here. Well, let me see that gun. I said you can't see my gun. And I ran down the 14th Amendment of the Constitution just like Huey had run it down. The pigs were frustrated, mad, and didn't know what to do. Well, I got a right to look at the serial number. I already know what the serial number is, I said. I got to make sure it has a serial number. So I held my gun in my hand and he looked at it with his flashlight. Hold it up, let me see. No, I ain't holding up nothing. You got a flashlight, so you look at it from that distance right there because you don't get near this gun. So I read the serial number and I said, there's the serial. The pig took the serial number down, and after that, a police lieutenant came down and he kept saying, well, if we charge him, we'll probably lose the case. Just for having them guns, we'll probably lose the case. 
because they turn around the Second Amendment of the Constitution about them having a right to carry guns as long as they ain't concealed. Um, which is still the case in several states today, including Michigan. Then one big fat pig says, well, we got to find something. We got to find something to do to them. He was looking down. He started looking the car over and said that the license plate was being held on by a coat hanger. It was secure, all right, but it was just put together with a coat hanger. Let's give him a ticket for this here. This here license plate is not adequately secure. He asked Huey for some identification, and Huey handed him his license. They said his license looked kind of old, so they gave him a ticket for not having a good new license. Um, Huey later went to court, pleaded not guilty on both counts, and beat both tickets. The pigs jumped up and left the scene, and the black people were asking what was happening. While Huey was calling the pigs all kind of names and stuff, a lot of the brothers said, Right on, Huey. Tell it. Right. Run it down, Huey. Huey talked to the people some more, and a lot of them said they were going to come down and join the Black Panther Party. And we did get some of the older brothers and sisters and some young brothers and sisters out there to join. Even a number of white people had the chance to, to, to watch that. Badge 206 was the cop. The cop who almost got his head blown off that night. I kept telling him he was acting a fool. Badge 206. Badge 206. We never forgot his badge. I remember his badge. Huey remembered his badge. And Bobby Hutton remembered his badge. We put his number on the front page of our newspaper. Damn. So, I, I, as I was saying before we started reading for the day, their praxis is incredible. Like, they break it down to the basics, frankly. I'm like, well, you don't even follow your own laws. You know, they're kind of, in a way, I would say, proving that, uh, uh, I would say that in a way they're proving that, uh, the police force is illegitimate. This is why I think that they should all have to take a four-year criminal justice program. Yeah? For a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. Or, I mean, you know, they could attend the Black Panther School. Can you imagine? Well, uh, what are you thinking, Don? Um. Sorry, I got a I got a strange message about Fat Tony. Um. Future Rob, cut this out. The black community is tired of promises. Chicano people are tired tired of promises. People in America are tired of promises. We have to bring the people to another level where they will not listen to such jive crap. We have to even bring the reactionary thinking, racist people in America to a point where they realize the demoral, dehumanizing acts that America is pulling, the fascist overt acts that America is pulling. I remember Lyndon Baines Johnson getting on television and saying, he will not bomb Vietnam. Will you just vote for me? I will not bomb Vietnam. 
and he talked, talked all over America, promised a jive war on poverty that never really occurred. And six months later, Lyndon Baines Johnson was bombing North Vietnam 90 miles an hour because we had promises. We weren't conscious enough to see. In a very organized bit of history when I came to Canada, in Montreal at a hemisphere conference to end the war in Vietnam. This is the first time in my life at that time, some four years ago, that I had met some righteous fighting Vietnamese brothers. One was an ambassador to finally got his point over. He says what, I'm, what he was talking about was that aggressors leave this country and go to Vietnam saying we fight the people who come in our land and aggress upon us and we fight the reactionaries they're already in our land. He says, but you are right here, as they put it, in the belly of the whale. Now this is what's significant. We are right here in the belly of the whale, and those of you in Toronto are right next door to the belly of the whale. Still muted, Rob. I think uh, what he was trying to do there was to encourage people to take action in their in the belly of the whale as he put it or as che guevara put it the belly of the beast same concept um man this is a chill beat bruh <laughs> like it back at it again day two let's do this huey and the traffic light huey and the traffic light god I, I really, before we get going, I really wish that I could write a series of children's stories based around Huey and the shit he was doing in the early days. <laughs> no, but you could write a superhero comic book about oh, Huey could. P. Newton. I could. It'd be, it'd be so easy. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Hewart P. Newton. <laughs> oh, I'd have man. to change his name for, you know reason legal reasons legal reasons i'd slightly change his name to hewart <laughs> so anyway we are at huey and the traffic light that is the second half of page 60 um yeah in its embryo stage early in 1967 the black panther party was working with the advisory committee of the poverty program to get a traffic light at the corner of 55th and market streets in oakland because we're, kids were getting hurt and killed regularly on that corner i used to work near this corner when i was working on the poverty program almost every other day there would be some kind of accident a wreck or somebody would get hit crossing the street etc huey and i found out that two kids coming from the santa fe school which is only a block from that particular corner had been killed and another injured Shortly before this, a girl had been killed there around seven months before. A young white girl riding a motorcycle got hit there too. A car hit her and her leg was all busted up. Someone started to talk about how our kids were getting killed on this corner on their way to school. 
So Huey said that the city should have had a streetlight here on this corner a long time ago, and that we should work to see that we get a streetlight. A lot of kids were getting out of school when this young girl got hit. A bunch of them saw Huey and they ran up to him and asked him, was he the Minister of Defense of the Black Panther Party? They all gathered around Huey. He had about 20, 25 of them around him and Huey was telling them right then that there ought to be a streetlight on this corner. Huey had already more or less organized little Pennywell, 12 year old Pennywell, because he hung around the office. Uh, Huey told him that he was the captain of the Junior Panthers and to organize the brothers to understand the basic political desires and needs of black people and to learn the revolutionary principles and to tell them that when they're 16 years old, if their mother wants them to carry a gun, she could sign a statement to let them. And we would teach them <clears throat> how to use a gun and how to defend themselves and the people of the black community. I just want to interject to say like right out of the gate, that's that's already incredible praxis um you know like uniting the community around something as simple as a street light you're not going to have a whole lot of naysayers and something like that but it shows very early on that there is potential uh in political action i think but right then huey was concerned about this light when a few older people walked up huey got into a conversation with them you know when an accident happens people will come around and naturally voice their, their opinions lord something's gotta be done about this there's always a wreck going on out here an old woman said something's gotta be done about it every time i turn around i hear some brakes squeaking out here and an ambulance coming down huey said well they should have put a light here a long time ago and through conversations with the people, Huey learned about the two kids who got killed and the one who had been injured coming from the school. Three days later, there was an advisory committee meeting at the North Oakland Poverty Center. Huey said we had to bring this up to the people, that we had to make a grievance concerning the light. The whole staff of the North Oakland Service Center was concerned about it because so many accidents had taken place and because people's conversations had begun to center around it. There had also been one accident where a car literally run into the Poverty Center building on a weekend when we weren't working there. So we came to work one Monday morning and the stairs were all banged up and half the building torn apart and busted in. So people became very concerned. So Huey, walking, uh, walking around talking about how we need to have a signal light there, began to arouse the interests of the people in and around the service center. At the time, he was a part-time community organizer with the North Oakland Poverty Program. Um, I'm going to interject one more time to just say, like, to, to amend what I said a minute ago. It wasn't even that they saw the need for the light. It was that the people were already talking about the light. So, you know, Huey showed right out the gates that he was there for the people. Huey was actually what they call a neighborhood organizer. He was supposed go out and get names and addresses of people who wanted to relate to multi-service to the multi-service poverty center at 55th and market he got really fed up with just getting names but he saw the real validity of getting names and making contact with the people to inform and educate the people not only about the multi-service center but about the 10-point platform and program of the black panther party so huey some of the people on the staff and some of the people on the advisory council of the local poverty center brought the light up and decided that we were going to get a petition. Somebody found out some legal facts concerning people who live two blocks each, each way from an intersection. We got the petitions together. Huey and I went around and got all these people to sign the petitions concerning the necessity of a light there. 
and gave it to the Advisory Council, and the Advisory Council submitted it to the Oakland City Council. Um, the Oakland City Council sent information back saying that based on a report from the street engineers, they couldn't put a traffic light on that corner until late 1968. But Huey P. Newton says, well, we're going to have to have a red light there. If we don't have a red light there, the Black Panther Party is going to come forth, and the Black Panther Party will direct traffic there until you put a light up, even if that means we tie traffic up for 50 blocks. We think the light should be here readily, and when we think... Uh, we should have an officer here to direct traffic when traffic is so heavy. Many of the people passing 55th and Market. Uh, Huey said, Our middle class white people going to their homes after work in the evening, and many of them are coming by when traffic is heavy around 3.30 when our kids get out of school. We've already had two children killed here, and one injured, and there's an accident on the average of one every other day. It's very dangerous. We want a light or we're going to direct the traffic ourselves. The Black Panther Party is going to come forth. We'll have our guns with us and we're going to stop the cars so our kids coming from school and other people in the community will be served by the Black Panther Party. Man. This guy... What? Oh, sorry. Um, I was just going to say, like, this whole traffic light thing, I know that this is in no way equal to what Huey and them were doing but like this really speaks to me because there's that one spot on 23 that you know we need a traffic light in front of Walmart there's a ton of fucking accidents there in the summertime yep. said he won't put it said he won't put one there yeah well I mean you know they're they're concerned about how the upper middle class white people are gonna receive another traffic light on their drive to somewhere else because there's no reason for them to stop for anything more than lunch in towels. Anyway, let's get back to this. <laughs> Sorry, this got out in downtown Oakland and I guess about a month and a half or two months passed and it came back to the poverty center and came through the staff there. We got off into other things with the party, but we went back and checked and people in the poverty center said a few of the members of the advisory committee were still making efforts to make sure the light got there by late 1967 instead of late 1968. Right around August 1st, they began, uh, began to drill holes and knock holes in the ground and put the light up, and the light was there by late October 1967. So that was the Panther Party in another type of initial phase, working in, conjunct in conjunction with members of the community. The kids who were standing on the corner that day when one of the big accidents happened, the 25 or so who crowded around Huey, had, in a sense, already been organized. They were relating quicker. They were relating more meaningfully. Of course, their minds hadn't been destroyed yet by this racist power structure and all its brainwashing than the cultural nationalists and jive intellectuals in the colleges. So Huey, Huey organized what he called a junior panther group. He would never let these young uh, brothers come into the office because we always had guns in the office at 56th and Grove. He said we were going to set up a place, one of the churches maybe, where we could teach them some black history and some revolutionary principles. Teach them how to use them and how to apply them. This is very important, knowing how to apply the revolutionary principles. This is what Huey was all about, placing the Panther Party in motion. These young brothers began at 12, 13, or 14. Junior Panthers, everyone... Uh, everyone from 16 years of age and up was treated like a man. Um, if he wasn't a man, he could get on out of the party. So, there, I'm not quite sure. That, that couple of sentences was really confusing to me. Yeah. But, 
knowing how to apply the revolutionary principles is what uh, Huey was all about placing the Panther Party in motion. That's big. That's what the entire organization was based around. And if that isn't an implementation of dialectical materialism, I don't know what is. Um, this book was such a great, great Yeah. So I think that what they're saying is 16 and under was a junior panther and 16 and over was a man and you could be in the, the full party. If I'm understanding that correctly. Like I said, it was a little bit confusing in the wording. Uh, then we had an intermediate group going down from 12 to 8 years old. <laughs> Little 12-year-old Penny Pennywell was trying to organize them like Huey was organizing because he related to Huey. He loved Huey because Huey was the defender of the black community. So Huey told him he was the captain of the Junior Panthers in North Oakland. These young boys were crazy about Huey. They used to come up to me, you Bobby Seal, ain't you? Huey's partner? I'd say, right, brother, I'm Bobby Seal. I'm Huey P. Newton's partner. We stick right, together. Bobby. Huey's our minister of defense. Brother Huey was a symbol to these brothers and sisters in a way that other black organizations had never been. Those 25 kids standing on the corner there might see a pig drive by, look at his marked car, and say, racist cop, you swine. Huey had a term. He used swine a lot. Swine, racist cop. They would imitate Huey. They were just those, uh, there were just those 25 young brothers, 25 little Huey Newtons. That, that is what is so significant to Huey's name. He would see these kids walking home from school anywhere from 12 to 13, all the way down to six, maybe five years old. He'd play with them uh, a little and teach them. The signal light that was needed so badly was not there and two kids had been killed on that corner and one had been injured. This is what Huey related to. This was survival. Huey would talk about the laws being made by mankind to serve mankind, and once those laws stop serving mankind, they must change so they do serve mankind. This is Huey P. Newton. It was necessary to make political pressure so that change, revolutionary change, ultimate change, could take place. We have to understand this change that Huey was talking about. Huey, Huey would say, if people are getting killed on a corner, you have to change it. You have to alter it completely. How do you alter it? Huey says some law uh, has to be made, some law has to be instituted, or something has to be initiated by lawmakers to say that the situation that exists here now at 55th and Market has to be grossly changed. Got to the lawmaker, or go to the lawmakers and tell them that we want a signal light here. Hear ye, hear ye, lawmakers would really be the cry. We need a signal light here now. We want it here now because young children are getting killed. The same young children who must mold the world to change it. Young children on the streets who are coming home from school, from a school where they're getting brainwashed or getting killed and murdered. You lawmakers are not making laws, are not making propositions or resolutions, are not instituting things to serve the people. This is the meaning of the children. You have to understand Huey in this fashion. He liked them. There was a little boy who lived next door to him. They called him Junior. Every time me and Huey would drive up there, he'd run up to see the car. Huey was trying to help him learn how to ride his bicycle. Huey said, let him go. He'll learn. He'll learn. Huey has faith in children. He has faith in small children growing up in the confines of their environment. I guess the reason he has faith in children is because he has faith in himself. And to have faith in yourself is only to be human. And only to be human is the foundation of why and where faith comes from. Faith is not a mythical bullshit thing. 
Faith is where you directly re relate yourself to reality. Huey could, uh, could perceive a young brother trying to ride a bicycle. Even with training wheels on, he'd fall off of it. Huey'd help him back up and say, go on, ride it, go on now, Junior, ride it. Sometimes Junior would get bad and Huey'd threaten to spank him, but Huey didn't spank him. Huey wasn't thinking about spanking him. Huey was trying to get him to relate to his environment. That little boy, Junior, was only four and a half or five years old. Huey could understand the difference between children learning and living in their environment. That's why these brothers in the Santa Fe Grammar School, having uh, to cross that intersection there, wanted that light there. They wanted it so they could survive. Huey P. Newton wanted that light there on the corner and wanted to work to, uh, to see that the light was there. If the power structure didn't put it there, the Panther Party was going to come out, block traffic, and direct traffic so that our young kids wouldn't die, so they would survive. It's that simple, and it's that basic. These are the things that Brother Huey is dedicated to. I know he's dedicated to him because I felt it. I respected Huey. I say racist cop, you swine. Did I scroll up? No. You're right. So, he's reiterating that the kids imitated Huey. Swine, racist cop. Huey's term. <sighs> Wait a minute. You you see what I see too, right? Like there's that page is there twice. Right? It's gotta be. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. I have yeah, yeah, because here on 65 is the uh, actual continuation of it. Okay, well, I'm glad that we figured that out together. Page 65. We're learning. <laughs> For that little small gesture, because he saw that light. The signal light on the corner of 55th and Market served the people. Served the black people living in the black community. It helped to keep young kids from dying. Helped to keep the young brother named Junior from dying and would give him a chance to learn to live and survive and exist. It helped them, or it helped to keep them surviving and keep them living so that they would understand that they have to mold the world, to change the world, so that they can voice their basic desires and needs as human beings. Huey is so human, he wants those kids to survive, but some people didn't know or understand this. What happened to the music? Oh, okay. It's still going. That was weird. That's still weird. Anyway. It's still going. Fuck it. <laughs> Where was I at? Oh, yeah. Huey is so human. He wants those kids to survive. But some people didn't know or understand this. Some teachers got together and said Huey was teaching young kids to use guns. They lied to the parents. Huey didn't let kids in the office. He didn't let them in because we had guns there. He told them they had to learn black history and revolutionary principles and grow up to be men and defend their people in the black community. Huey finally had a whole black history class going on at the service center when he was a, a, a community organizer because he convinced the people there that he could bring those little brothers in there and teach them a lot of things that are gonna be very related to their future survival as human beings, as black people in the black community. 
Then the little kids would be able to oppose the lies the teachers were telling them about their history, and the teachers, many of whom were white, with their egos, with their misconceptions of the black community, spread lies about Huey. I say white not in the context of the color of their skin, but white in relation to their puritanical views, to the absolutist concepts they were trying to drill into the kids' heads. These absolutist concepts are very directly related to racism. What is going on with the music? I just skipped a chunk. Um, these kids would speak about things that Huey had taught them about black history, about great men in black history. The teachers would oppose them, and many times the kids would mention that Huey P. Newton teaches them. It shows them the true way of thinking and understanding ourselves and our lives, helping us survive, etc. The teachers were trying to oppose Huey P. Newton by trying to hurt the children. To oppose Huey, they called up the mothers and told the mothers that Huey had them in the office using guns, which was a lie. So this is the meaning of that red light at the corner. How Huey taught the young brothers to survive. How teachers in the school told lies to the mothers and other people about Huey. Just as Huey saw the gun as a necessary tool of black people's liberation, he saw young people as the basis and the foundation of it. And uh, I, th I think how above and beyond the Black Panther Party went to reach out to the youth is important. Absolutely. The youth are tomorrow. They're, they're the ones who are going to change the world. I mean, no offense to either of us, Don, but we're fucking 30, bro. We're not going to be spearheading the revolution at this point. <laughs> personally, personally, I'm of the opinion that in another 30 years, I shouldn't be allowed to vote. I mean, I don't necessarily know that I agree with that, but I completely understand where it comes from, and um, I don't completely oppose it either. I'll, I'll actually, I'll caveat that a little bit. 35 years, because 65 is supposed to be the age of retirement, and at that point, I mean, as long as it's not fucking with your social security, what do you really have to vote on? No offense to any older generations listening to this. I just, I know that by the time those laws that get passed, when we vote, get impl implemented, typically, y'all aren't the ones that are getting affected by it. It's just the nicest way I can say it. Indeed. Um, so... I, I just want to draw another parallel to Mao because, I mean, honestly, I've skipped over a couple. There's a lot of parallels to Mao. There's a, yeah. a couple things that run parallel to Lenin as well, but um, that's, that's a little less in the open, I think. But um, just as Huey saw the gun as a necessary tool of black people's liberation, to put that in the way that Mao put it, political power grows from the barrel of a gun. And uh, the Black Panther Party, really, just with that fucking, just with that red light at the corner, the Black Panther Party shows that that is true. And seeing young people as the basis and foundation of Black people's liberation, I think, is um, something that's really new in, in terms of revolutionary theory, is really new with the Black Panther Party. Um, I'm not saying that, that other revolutions were exclusive of young people. In fact, a lot of times they were spearheaded by young people. 
but um, they they were never really like amplified and like taken under their wing. You know, it was just like, oh, you'll you'll do it when you're older, kind of thing. Until like the Cultural Revolution and things like that in China, but um, you know, they're really building a revolution. They're not, and and, and that that I think is what. The, is what the Black Lives Matter movement was based in. I mean, they admit in their platform that they're Marxist. Um, I mean, they have done some things differently, you know, such as being leaderful instead of being a top-down organization. Um, you know, so that way it's much harder for the feds to come in and pick out leaders and kill them like they did in the Black Panther Party. Anyway, so the next chapter is called A Gun at Huey's Head, and that is on the bottom of page 65. In a short time after we began to organize around the traffic light, a little kid came running up into the Black Panther Party office and said that down the street a whole lot of cops had broken into a brother's house and that the Panthers better get down there. He came down to the Panther office to get us down there to stop the cops. I think for some reason Huey's shotgun was at home. He was only passing by the office because we were headed somewhere else. Huey broke out of the office and Truman Harris and Warren Tucker were with him. Warren Tucker had a 45 strapped to his side and Huey happened to have a 12-inch dagger that had a metal cover to put the knife in. It was a dagger. It came straight to a point. Huey got down there and asked the cop why he was searching this man's house and breaking the furniture all up. He asked him if he had a search warrant. The brother had just come home and found the pig in his house. Huey said, you ain't got no search warrant. You ought to get out of that man's house. Then the pig looked at the black citizen, the brother there, and said, you gonna let him tell people what to do? Are you fucking kidding me? The brother told the pig to get out of his house. The pig got mad because the citizen saw Huey was working in his interest, and the pig was not working in his interest by breaking into his house without a search warrant or anything. Then Huey went outside, and the pig and two other pigs snuck up behind him. There was about ten pigs. One of the pigs walked up to Huey and said real low to him, Motherfucker, into his face. He thought he was going to provoke Huey, but Huey just laughed out loud. Mm. A, lot of, <laughs> a lot of people were standing around, and Huey said, You're a swine. You had no business breaking into this home. You broke into this man's home without a search warrant. You acted in a manner other than a police officer is supposed to. And the people said, right. That pig thought that Huey would jump him and attempt to strike him because he called Huey motherfucker, but Huey is very hip to the necessity of educating the pe uh, people to what the pigs are. Then these two other pigs grabbed Warren Tucker's arm and snatched his pistol out. The pig walked up to Huey and put the gun at Huey's head and said, you're under arrest. Huey turned away and walked away from him and walked towards his car and said, you're goddamn right. If you're going to have to fool like that, then I've got to be under arrest. In fact, I'd better be under arrest. Huey just walked on away and left the pig standing there holding the gun. The pig was booed and he just walked off and got into the car. Huey said, I got to be under arrest, you damn fool swine. Anyway, Huey was placed under arrest. A brother and I... Went and got some money, $25, $30. I went by my house first. I got a hold of little Bobby, Hut, Hut, little Bobby Hutton and Sherman Forte. I got a couple pistols and a shotgun, and we broke down to the jail. 
We always said that every time the pigs arrest somebody, we'll go right down there with our guns and bail the brother out of jail. And after we bail the brother out of jail, we're going to take the brother right back out on the streets. Let the people know that this is a unified organization. Let the pigs know that we're right back here. We'll be here. We're going to organize and educate our black people to rev revolutionary principles. Huey used to talk about this all the time. I'm going to interject here to say that... Uh, I'm willing to bet that they really didn't want Huey in the county jail. He was already organizing the community on a mass scale, and then you're going to put him in with a bunch of people that are from the streets? Dude, right? <laughs> right? Uh, so I was only doing what we had already agreed was always necessary to be done. At the same time, we couldn't afford to have Huey in jail. Anytime we can get him out, we're going to free Huey. Well, I went down and Laverne was there. I gave her the $25 and we, uh, that we had picked up and I told her to add it to the bail. I went around to the bail bond office and came back. We finally got Huey out. Before we got Huey out of jail, some pigs came up and tried to uh, get me to give them my shotgun. I wouldn't let them have it. I told them, you haven't placed me under arrest, so you're not going to get my shotgun from me. I looked to the left to see little Bobby. One pig standing close on my right snatched my right arm and another one snatched the weapon out of my left arm. They opened it up and they were all surprised because they saw some double out buckshot shells in it, loaded and ready to go. They gave me back the shotgun and left. I cited my constitutional rights and argued with them until they left, all ten of them and a lieutenant. Anyway, we got Huey out of jail, we went upstairs and Huey said let's go upstairs and get the gun back and also bail out Warren Tucker and Truman Harris. They had been busted also. We went and got some more money and had those brothers bailed out. After bailing those brothers out, we went upstairs to pick up Warren Tucker's weapon. One pig came out talking about Warren Tucker was arrested for carrying a concealed weapon. When Warren Tucker got arrested, the brother was wearing a t-shirt and some tight Levi's with a belt. That's all he had on. The weapon was strapped to his side in broad daylight. Everybody could see it, but they told us he had a concealed weapon. And then Huey asked, what kind of concealed weapon did the man have? He had a knife on him, a cop said. It was just a regular pocket knife with a blade a little less than three inches. A knife over three inches is illegal here in California, at least, if it's concealed. We all went upstairs. Bobby Hutton had a shotgun and someone else had a pistol. We went upstairs to the police detective division. The pig saw us coming down the hall while on our way up there. Bobby Hutton had a shotgun, I had a pistol, and I think Sherman Forte had a pistol. We were uh, walking down the hall and this pig turned around, ran the other way, and disappeared around the corner. We just got walking right on into the detective division, made a left turn, and got to one of the doors there. We made another left turn and walked... Really? Oh, it's... A, okay, never mind. It is a different sentence. I thought I backtracked somehow. We nope. made another left turn and walked right up in there, and these pigs, these fat pigs, they call themselves detectives, got to looking up and wondering what the fuck was going on, talking about, can I help you? Can I help you? Huey P. Newton said, We've come to claim a weapon of Warren Tucker's. You took the man's property from him, and we want to see that the man gets his property back. You had no right to take it. You say he was arrested and charged with carrying a, a concealed weapon, namely a knife. Well, we're holding the weapon in evidence, the pig said. Well, how can you hold a weapon in evidence when, in fact, the weapon is not any evidence concerning the particular charge? The charge is that the man was carrying a concealed weapon. Now, the specific type of weapon that was named was a knife, and a gun is not a knife. So, or now, if you want to just take something to hold as evidence, why don't you just take the man's comb? The man needs the gun to defend himself and wants to claim the weapon. I'm sorry, we can't, or we, we just can't give it up, and blop de blue, the pig says. God, I love that. <laughs> blop de blue. <laughs> 
Then Huey said, well, then you're all going to die. You're all racist dogs. You're all racist swine, pigs, dogs. That's what you all are. And you're all going to die. And you're going to be run out, driven out of the black community because you have no respect for the human being. You have no respect for people's property and people's lives. You have no respect for anything when it comes down to the survival of black people. Huey just went on and on, and we just walked out. He was really running it down to him, really telling him what they were, what kind of scurvy rubber baits they are. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Huey. All right. Quick, uh, quick note that the brother Bobby added in here. Um, Sid Walton is now the principal of Sausalito School. His appointment raised a good deal of controversy, but he was eventually hired. That's the only note. Hmm. Only editor's note. So uh, next Thursday, we'll be picking it up on page 68, I believe. Yeah, 68. The party grows and Eldridge joins. Uh-huh. Hell yeah. Uh-huh. It's gonna be fun. Uh -huh. um, there's gonna be a lot of discussion about Malcolm X and about the cultural nationalists. Um, the Paper Panthers, <laughs> for example. Um, there's another Mao reference. Fuck yeah, it is. But, um,. Anyway, I guess it's about time for today that we wrap this up. And I just wanted to point out that if you like what we're doing, uh, if you want to be involved, you can directly reach out to our Facebook page or our website, um, which is forwearemany.org. Uh, if you want to donate materially, patreon.com slash forwearemany. Uh, we have a multitude of, of Patreon levels, uh, ranging from one to ten dollars for most of us. And very, very high amounts for for a couple specific individuals. We're not going to bring their names into this because I just don't feel like doing it. I was going to say some shit about this being sacred, and I would never, I would never bastardize brother Bobby Seals words by talking about those two individuals but quite honestly I just don't feel like doing it today sorry James I know you're listening I know you're disappointed in me indeed um, we are all over social media we are on uh, Facebook for we are many we have our there we go i found it <laughs> sorry we have uh this still says support group but actually now it's called education and discussion group for we are many education and discussion group uh and we have the for we are many mutual aid organizing group um twitter at for we are many two Instagram and TikTok, at For We Are Many Podcast, YouTube, For We Are Many Podcast, ForWeAreMany.org. You can reach out to us at ForWeAreManyPodcast at Gmail. 
and uh, we are on all major podcast platforms. Next Thursday, we will be talking about, uh, we will be doing part four of the Black Panther Party and Dialectical Materialism. Um, you can join us Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter for our weekly live stream. Uh, our weekly current event stream is what I should have said. And uh, look for more content in the future. Don, do you have anything you want to plug? No. Indeed. All actually, right. actually, we are going to be recording an episode of The Deep State in the near future. It's going to be amazing. It might just wind up being Don Hughes surrounded by what appears to be weapons-grade cocaine. Who knows? <laughs>